When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. Uh, This is a little bit later than uh, it usually will be moving forward. Uh, This week was the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah, the new year, and, and so then that ended up delaying things. It's one of the two high holy days in Judaism. The next one will be later in the week, so the episode will be able to come out at the normal uh, day, which will be Tuesday mornings. It should come out on Tuesday mornings moving forward, but just not this week because of Rosh Hashanah and Lishanah Tovah to everyone uh, celebrating. Uh, In this episode, we're going to be talking primarily about pit football. Uh, We're also going to be talking about some pit volleyball and how they've been doing uh, pit soccer has also been playing re- really well, but again, it'll be primarily pit football and their dominant victory over UMass 51 to seven. Was it expected? Yes, it was certainly expected that this would be a win and a blowout win because pit is pit and UMass is UMass. It, it rarely happens that this would be a game that pit would lose except for a couple outliers. Like when Paul Chris lost to Youngstown state, generally pit wins these games. Uh, just as they're supposed to, and they they did. They did just that. They won, and they won extremely comfortably. The big question in this episode is going to be, what can we take away? How much can we take away from a game against a team that just isn't at that same level as Pitt? It, it's always tough with these games, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I much rather would see Pitt uh, schedule a game like this that's essentially a guaranteed win. It's going to be a nice day. It's the first game of the season. You bring people back. It's rib fest. You you get a victory. The you you shake the cobwebs off against a team that you're not going to have too much trouble with. Overall, I think that's way better than say scheduling a difficult team, as we saw in a lot of the ACC, where you play a tough team and you might lose, and all of a sudden. Season does not start off that well. Even though this isn't super impressive that they beat UMass by a lot, a win is a win is a win. And a lot of ACC teams, by the way, can't say that after week one. So this definitely is preferable to starting off with a challenge and then very well you know, starting off the season with a loss. So you take this, but what can you actually take from it? There's not a ton, but... This team did look very good, and that's something to feel confident about. In games like this against, I don't want to say cupcakes because that's sort of disrespectful, but in games like these that are just uneven, that they're mismatched, you want to be able to just not have to worry. If there's a lot to, if there's anything, I wouldn't want to say anything. 
But if there's a lot to take away from one of these games, then it's a problem. If you can walk away after one of these games and say, we learned a lot about that team, that's not a good thing. That means you learned something negative about the team, that they really had a hard time with something, that they really struggled, or God forbid they lost. So if you're taking away a lot, then you've you've got a big problem. The goal in these games is to win by a ton and to not take away too much, to not really know uh, what you saw and how much it'll carry moving forward because they just did nothing too fancy, nothing too... They just got the job done, they won, and they won extremely comfortably. That is the goal, and that's what they did. That said, we'll sort of talk about some of the different things that we did see and, and try to figure out, do we think that moving forward, we're going to see more of that. We'll start with Kenny Pickett. Now, again, all the caveats in the world, it's UMass, we get it. Kenny Pickett looked very good. And one thing that I noticed that uh, I'm not going to focus too much on, oh, his arm strength looked good, oh, the play call, because you can only, again, tell so much from a game like Pitt versus UMass. But one thing that did stick out to me that has been a little bit of an issue for him and was not an issue at all against UMass. And I don't know that it's going to stick when there's more pressure coming from a defense. But Kenny Pickett looked remarkably composed, calm, and confident. And if there's one thing that you want from a college quarterback, it is to be composed, calm, and confident. At no point in that game did he look rattled. Did he panic and just throw the check down or throw the first throw to the first receiver that he saw, whether or not he was open? He looked calm, composed, and confident, and that's huge. And that's what you expect and hope for in a quarterback who's now going to be starting his fourth year. But that's something that I think moving forward, if it holds, and I think there's a decent chance that it will because he's in the unique situation of, of leading a team now for four straight years. That rarely happens in college football anymore. And when it does, you really get that chance to to settle in. And it seems like he's done just that. And again, we'll see how it fares this weekend against Tennessee and moving forward. But it seems like he just has that confidence that you want in a quarterback to be able to not panic when there's a rush coming, not panic if a play breaks down, but just know what needs to be done, and then he gets it done. So far, that seems to be what we've seen from Kenny Pickett. And that is excellent news because if... Pitt is going to go anywhere, if Pitt is going to do anything, it's going to be because of Kenny Pickett. The defense is probably going to be great. They've been great for a few years, but this team hasn't really accomplished much because of the offense. So, and we'll talk about the defense in a second, but if this team is going to make a run, if they're going to get nine wins, if they want to win the Coastal, if they want a real chance at beating Clemson and getting some of these things accomplished that they really want to be able to do, it's going to take Kenny Pickett being that next level quarterback, that confident quarterback that Pitt hasn't had in a few years. And there were flashes of it with Nate Peterman, there were flashes of it. With Tino Sinceri, there have been flashes of it, but to have an entire season where you've got a quarterback who really feels settled in, that is a huge asset to have in college football. Kenny Pickett, one game in, 
but he looked that composed and that competent, and that would be huge moving forward if he can remain that way. One thing that helped him, I'll say, is the receivers looked good. There were some great catches from some of the receivers. Obviously, a player like Jordan Addison, that's what he does is he makes great catches, so that's not a big surprise. And and moving forward, I think we can expect to see a whole lot more of some of those great catches. Uh, But he looked good. Shockey Jacques-Louis had a couple of catches, Taysir Mack. There were some some good uh, receivers out there. Jared Wayne was another one. But the one that I really want to target and highlight, because this could be something that moving forward could be huge. Again, a lot of this is about what did we see in that game that we think is going to matter moving forward. And one thing that I think matters a ton that could be huge if they can keep it up, and it looked great on Saturday against UMass, is the tight end position and Lucas Kroll. Lucas Kroll, a transfer from Florida, started a tight end, and he had a really good game. He had five receptions uh, for almost 60 yards. That's about 12 yards per carry or for, per reception, and he had one touchdown. He looked great, and he just did. I mean, a tight end, it's not flashy, but you you know that a tight end looks great when they simply do what needs to be done. They don't make big mistakes. They don't have drops, which has been plaguing Pitt for years now, when they just make the catches that they're supposed to make that go in their direction. And Lucas Kroll made those, and that is huge for Kenny Pickett. He's a quarterback that would do so well with having a tight end that he can rely upon. Because the one thing between Kenny Pickett and Mark Whipple that has been a bit of a frustration for some in the passing game is that most plays, he doesn't go for the long ball. He ends up just sort of settling for a shorter pass, maybe to a tight end. But unfortunately for Pitt and for Kenny Pickett and for Mark Whipple, the tight ends have dropped so many balls. And the players that are just five, maybe 10 yards past the line of scrimmage have dropped so many balls that when Kenny Pickett just settles for those plays, it's insufficient. You gain no yards. But in this case, if you've got players running down the field like Shockey Jacques-Louis and like Jordan Addison, and even if Kenny Pickett doesn't throw it to them, if he sort of settles and goes with a check down and finds Lucas Kroll, who can get an eight-yard gain, that's and, and you can rely on that, that is huge. And Lucas Kroll seemed to be a player that Kenny Pickett can rely upon. And so we'll see again moving forward if that'll be the case, if he can stay healthy. These are all been problems with Pitt these last few years. But having a reliable tight end would be absolutely gigantic because Pitt has not had that in years. And it would be just absolutely huge for this program if they have that. It just really opens up another level of the offense in addition to either just Hail Marys or throwing it deep or jet sweeps, or a running game. If you have that tight end that can get you 6 to 12 yards per carry, that's huge. That's what you want. That's what you need. And it really seems like Lucas Kroll could be that guy, and we'll see moving forward. We're going to be taking a, you know, a closer look at him. The defense played great, no doubt about it. They just did not give UMass any breathing room for the longest time. Every single series for UMass, they never really had a chance uh, to score in uh, in the early parts of the game. They ended up scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter. But in the early parts of the game, the first half, 
when it really mattered when the starters were out there. There was no point when UMass actually looked impressive on offense. Pitt's defense shut them down time and time again. Eric Hallett forced a fumble. That was a big highlight. Uh, uh, John Patrician had two sacks. That was, you know, really something spectacular to see that this pit defense still can get to the quarterback, even without the same cast of characters that you're used to, that you've got a guy like Patrician who's able to have two sacks on the day. You ended up having five team sacks. Uh, you had Kalijah Cansey who had a big sack. Like I said, Patrician had two. Phil Campbell had one. Fans will remember him from last year. And uh, and Wendell Davis, the linebacker, he also had one. So five sacks for this team. Uh, it, it, they just the defense. At no point were you ever worried about the defense in the game against UMass. And again, if you're taking away too much, it, they're bad things. What you want in a game like this is to not have to think about anyone or anything too long or too much. If you're thinking about them too long or too much, that means there was a problem. But in this particular case. You didn't have to think much about the defense. You really didn't have to think about the defense at all. Anytime UMass had the ball, the pit defense shut them down incredibly quickly. So there were a lot of good things to take away where you just didn't have to think too much. You didn't have to worry. You could just take away, okay, they looked good. In fact, they looked really good. And we'll see moving forward if they can keep it up against tougher competition. But so far, there was a lot to be happy about if you're a pit fan. There were two things that you might not be super happy about if you were watching that game, or you might be a little bit concerned about moving forward. Two areas. One, the offensive line and the run game. They couldn't accomplish much. The offensive line, that, as I talked about in the season preview with Jim Hammett a week ago, that's an issue. That's probably the biggest question mark entering the season is how's the offensive line going to be and the biggest sort of make-or-break position or unit. The offensive line didn't look great, nothing awful, but they didn't look great, and particularly when it came to the run game. Kenny Pickett was able to break through, break through and break free for a few runs, but the traditional running backs, again, they split the, the carries, and they after a little bit, they, they stopped trying so hard, but nothing super impressive from anyone. Vincent Davis had six carries for 32 yards. Uh, Israel Abanakanda had six carries for 28 yards. Uh, A.J. Davis had two carries for 21 yards. It, it looked fine. Todd Sibley, two carries for 14 yards. Things looked fine, but nothing, not probably not as good as they should have looked against UMass. So it's not a cause for concern. I'm not going to sit here and say the sky is falling or Pitt really has to worry about the run game because it looked bad. It was a game against UMass. They won easily. It didn't need to be great. But it's something that Pitt fans can't say, wow, they looked really good, and I'm very confident in them moving forward. It's something that's still a question mark. It's not a, a question that was answered in that first game, and it's not a question that uh, that you even think, well, maybe it was answered in that first game. It's still very much a big question mark. This offensive line and the run game, can they get it done? Nothing against UMass happened that really convinced you, definitely yes, Certainly nothing happened that said no, that convinced you no, but it's just still too early to tell, and so we'll have to see moving forward how the run game does. But that is definitely a bit of a question mark. And then the other question mark is the kicking game. Pitt has not had to worry about a kicker in years because they had uh, Chris Blewett for a while, and then uh, they had uh, Alex Kessman. 
And so between Chris Blewett and Alex Kespin, they just have not worried. I mean, it's pretty rare when you have two kickers that reliable at the college game that come back to back. Uh, the last time that Pitt really had to worry about a kicker a little bit, I'd say, was Kevin Harper. And many fans think back to the uh, Pitt-Notre Dame game. Notre Dame was ranked either number two or number three in the country, and they went to triple overtime, and Kevin Harper could have won the game, and instead uh, he missed it in double overtime. That was the last time that kicks were a question mark, because with Chris Blewett and with Alex Kessman, every kick you sort of can expect, yeah, that's probably going to go in, and uh, certainly the extra points. And that's a little bit of a question mark right now. Uh, You looked at the kicking game on Saturday against UMass, and it's tough to say. You've got two kickers who are battling it out. Uh, Sam Scarton was one of them. Ben Sauls was the other. Uh, Scarton took the only field goal of the game, the only time Pitt ever settled for a field goal. Scarton took it. Uh, it was a 35-yard field goal, nothing too difficult, and he made it. Uh, the extra points, Ben Sauls took two of them. He made them both. Sam Scarton took five of them. He made four, so missing an extra point. Not ideal. This is the NFL extra point where it's really a, a challenge. Uh, and, and so it's it's a little tricky when you've got... It's not exactly the same thing as quarterbacks. When you've got two, you've really got none. Uh, that's, that's not the case. You can have a little kicker competition, but at the end of the day, you want to know that there's one kicker that you think you can rely on, or at least between the two of them that you can rely on. Right now, you can't definitively say that you rely on either. And so that could be a problem. Again, against UMass didn't matter. But this upcoming week, if Tennessee is a close game and you go to a kicker for an extra point or for a field goal, and that might be the difference between winning and losing or going to overtime or whatever it is, you can't feel super confident just based on where they are right now. And so that is a little bit of a concern. We'll see how it goes moving forward, how the, the kicker battle seems to look. but. So far, it just didn't seem excellent, uh, and uh, and so we'll see how that goes moving forward. It certainly seems like Scarton has the starting job and will be the starting kicker against Tennessee. We'll, we'll have to take a look, but it seems like it's his job to lose, but he also hasn't really won the job yet necessarily or, or won the right to definitely keep the job, so we'll see if, you know, he didn't lose it, but... Neither kicker has really stepped up and made the claim, I'm the kicker. And and so we'll have to, to see moving forward how that goes. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Tennessee. We're going to be talking about uh, the ACC and how they looked, conferences, and then, uh, of course, volleyball. I mentioned we're going to be talking about pit volleyball. Stay with us here on Unscripted. Okay, welcome back here on Unscripted. So a little bit going into this week. Pitt versus Tennessee. It's on the road at uh, Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's, it's a tough place to play. Now, Pitt is helped out by a couple of things. One, it's a noon kickoff. So that certainly helps that this isn't going to be like an 8 p.m. under the lights kickoff. Two, Tennessee does not look very good. They're not the Tennessee of uh, even some years ago. This Tennessee team looks mediocre. Yes, it's an SEC school, and yes, it's Tennessee, and and they've got the orange checkerboard, and that's, you know, there's so much lore behind the Vols when it comes to college football. 
but this isn't that same Tennessee. They've played one game. It was against Bowling Green. Uh, they won 38-6. to They looked fine, but they, they didn't look that good. Um, you're not going to have a jam-packed Neyland Stadium of people losing their minds. It's two teams that, that don't move them needle a ton, and so I, I think this isn't going to be something that uh, is going to be as difficult as it could have been when it was originally scheduled some years back, where it really could have been a challenge and, and could have been exceptionally tough to win on the road at Tennessee. Now it's winnable. In fact, it's so winnable the pit is actually favored on the road, which is interesting. They're favored by somewhere between one and a half to three points. And uh, now that means if it were being played on a neutral field, the rule of thumb is that you get three points for playing at home. So Tennessee, say they're a three-point underdog playing at home, that means that if this were at a neutral field, they'd be a six-point underdog. Now that's putting a little maybe too much confidence in Pitt that on a neutral field that they would beat Tennessee by six points. Not positive about that. Uh, but, you know, at Neyland Stadium, Pitt favor, it, it's tricky. Uh, I think going into this game, it's tough to say. My score prediction, I'll throw out something like 24 to 20. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be hard fought. I think Pitt's defense is going to look really good. I think the Pitt defense is really going to step it up. I think the Pitt offense will do just enough. But this is going to be a really interesting game. And it's a great opportunity for the Panthers. One, you're playing a team that is good enough that it will really tell you something about this program and about this team and what we can expect moving forward and how good they are. But it, it's not like they're too difficult. It's not a game that's impossible to win. It's not like you're playing uh, Georgia or you're playing, uh, uh, I was going to say LSU, but they, they just lost to UCLA. Uh, it's not like you're playing Ohio State or, or even Penn State, which is a team they had to play in past years, a team that's sort of on that cusp, maybe like a top 15 team in college football. That's not something you have to worry about. So they're good enough that you can really tell something. It's not... UMass, it's not Western Michigan. This is a Power 5 good football team, but they're not great, and it's certainly winnable. And even on the road where Pitt is, is favored, this is a winnable game and a game that you should win if you want to get to that 8-9 win mark like everyone has sort of agreed upon. That's the goal. Uh, this is something that, and again, we talked about this in the, the season preview episode last week, this is a chance for Pitt to have an undefeated non-conference schedule for the first time under Pat Narduzzi. The first time. It's amazing that it hasn't gotten done. And to be fair, there have been some really tough non-conference games. You've had to play teams like Penn State, and you've had to play teams like Notre Dame. You've had to play teams like UCF when they were very good. This is a chance where you're not playing an exceptionally difficult team, sometimes twice in a year, as has been the case you're playing four teams that you can beat, three teams that you definitely should beat in UMass, Western Michigan, and New Hampshire, and one team that you can and maybe should beat in Tennessee. Now, nothing's a given when it comes to Pitt, and I, I said this in the season preview, I could absolutely see them beating Tennessee and then the next week losing at home to Western Michigan. So that's certainly possible, and I'm not saying if you defeat Tennessee that Pitt is definitely going to go undefeated in non-conference play. 
you have to actually win the games. So there's that. But if you beat Tennessee, you have a great chance to go undefeated in conference play. And that would be huge. Because when you look at the schedule and just how it plays out, you've got the win against UMass. If you get a win at Tennessee and then beat Western Michigan and New Hampshire at home, which you should be able to do, not only is it the first time the Pat Narduzzi has gone undefeated in a non-conference schedule, you then are 4-0 because they're being played back-to-back-to-back-to-back, which is not always the case with a non-conference schedule. And then you've got at Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech looks terrible, just absolutely terrible so far. They lost to Northern Illinois uh, in Week 1. So then if that's the case then you've won five in a row, you open the season five and oh, and you've got a gigantic matchup at Virginia Tech coming up that next weekend, and there's a decent chance that Virginia Tech uh, could be going into that game ranked. It's going to be trickier for them because they've got Notre Dame uh, at home the week before they play Pitt, but that would be a huge, huge, huge game, and Pitt has a great opportunity. If you beat Tennessee, there's no reason that they shouldn't start five and oh. This is the only game that should be really a challenge for them. Western Michigan and New Hampshire, Georgia Tech should not be a challenge for this Panthers team. At Tennessee, it's going to be a challenge, and it should be a challenge. But if you win this game, that opens up a huge start. It gives you the opportunity for a gigantic start, an undefeated start, a non-conference play, and then 5-0 and once you've got the, the Georgia Tech game done. That is a golden opportunity for Pitt. That means being ranked. That means being respected. That means being really giving yourself a chance to make some waves in college football. So that's what you need to do. You need to go out there and win this game against Tennessee. Then you start 2-0, and and then you're on a great path. Again, I'm not saying anything would be done because we've all seen crazier things happen. But you'd be on a great, great path to starting 5-0. and and that's what they should do. You should get this win this weekend, and then you set yourself up for success, set yourself up to start 5-0. and That is the goal for the Panthers this weekend, and we'll see if they can achieve it. It's, it's not going to be easy, without a doubt. It's going to be tougher than Western Michigan or New Hampshire or Georgia Tech, but it's a winnable game, and we'll see if Pitt can actually get it done. I know uh, some fans are traveling down there. Be careful. Uh, Tennessee, I believe right now, still the highest state with uh, COVID cases in the country. I think I read that if they were their own country, they'd be number two in the world, just just Tennessee, when it comes to COVID cases. So I hope everyone is, who's traveling is safe. Uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully it's it's a fun game. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. And then we'll see if Pitt can come out on top over Tennessee. But it'll, uh, it'll be a really interesting game. I know a lot of Pitt fans are feeling a little bit confident about it. Like I said, I think Pitt's going to win by say about four, but it's, uh, I would not be shocked if, if just about anything happens. And so we'll see what happens this weekend, but a big game again, coming up at noon on Saturday against Tennessee. Before we go, I want to talk about pit volleyball, pit volleyball. And this is no surprise. They are stellar yet again. Pit volleyball is absolutely stellar. They've started 5-0, and and this is not 5-0 and against non-conference schedule like UMass and New Hampshire and Western Michigan. This is 5-0. and Three of those five wins were against ranked teams. So Pitt started the season with a win against Rice, who was ranked. And by the way, some of these wins have been very 
uh, nerve-wracking. So they haven't been blowing teams out necessarily. But they got a big win over Rice down at, a, at an Invitational in South Carolina. Then they got a big win against uh, Washington State, another ranked team down in South Carolina. And then they beat the University of South Carolina, and they won this Invitational uh, down there. It's called the Carolina Classic. And so they started 3-0, and and again, two of those teams, Rice and Washington State, ranked. Then they had a monumental, there was another uh, uh, sort of Invitational set up down in Knoxville, Tennessee. They had a huge game against Baylor. Baylor was ranked number nine in the country, and it was incredibly close. It went to a fifth and final set, but the Panthers came out on top. The Cardiac Cats, they got it done, and they won three sets to two, and then to close things out down there in Knoxville, they did play Tennessee, a little precursor to the football matchup this weekend, and Pitt beat uh, Tennessee three to two. Again, nerve-wracking. Again, it was close. But the Panthers got it done. The Cardiac Cats, they won. And they start 5-0. and uh, Just a huge start for this team. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's no surprise based on what they've been able to do the last few years. It's just become such an incredible program. And men's soccer and women's soccer, we'll talk about them because, you know, moving forward. Because they have done exceptionally well so far. Pitt men's soccer, one of the best teams in the country. Pitt women's soccer becoming a really, really good team, a ranked team, one of the top teams in the country. But Pitt volleyball, there's something about just the consistency year in and year out. I think last year was the first year that Pitt soccer really looked incredible. This could be that first year for Pitt women's soccer. But for Pitt volleyball, this has been the case for years now. And they they haven't quite been able to, to get over the hump. Uh, they they almost made it to the Final Four last year. They barely wa- lost in a fifth set, but they've come so close to making a Final Four. They are one of the very best teams in the nation, and yet again, it looks like they can make that run. They've started 5-0, and three of them against ranked teams, and uh, they've got a big, uh, big-time uh, weekend coming up uh, where they will play High Point this Friday at the Fitzgerald Fieldhouse. In Oakland, then they'll play BYU, which is a ranked team that is uh, at uh, uh, 7 p.m. on Friday at the Fitzgerald Fieldhouse. So that's just going to be a huge game, 7 p.m. on Friday against BYU, right right now ranked number 12 in the country. Uh, And then they also have one more match the next day with Bowling Green. But that match with BYU, it's going to be gigantic. And uh, then, of course... Uh, starting later in the month, they'll get into ACC play, and that'll be uh, thrilling. So they've got a lot of goals that they want to accomplish, but it's just yet again been a great start for Pitt Volleyball, and uh, we just had to talk about them because they've been playing so well. Uh, Panther of the Week. I know, of course, with Pitt Football, there are a lot of choices you could go with this. Uh, they they have they, they got done what they needed to do against UMass, but there's not one player that I think you could definitely highlight and say, yeah, that player was great. That player crushed it. Meanwhile, for Pitt Volleyball, I just talked about them. One of their players just got an incredible honor. This is something that you never see for Pitt. If you follow Pitt football and Pitt men's basketball, you never see a player get a National Player of the Week honor. But that's what happened here. Kayla Lund, who has been sensational for Pitt Volleyball and has chosen to come back and is really just such a great ambassador for this program and a leader on this program. And she's really been a a major part of 
this program becoming one of the very best in the country. It's because of Kayla Lund. She was just named the AVCA National Player of the Week. Just remarkable. Again, how often is it that you see a Pitt Panther be named Player of the Week in the nation? Sometimes you'll see ACC, but in the nation, that is a truly remarkable feat. And so Kayla Lund, Panther of the Week, without a doubt, the AVCA National Player of the Week, and therefore Panther of the Week. So that is it for this episode of Unscripted. I want to thank you all so much for joining. Uh, if you liked it, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Type in Cardiac Hill, and you'll be able to uh, subscribe to this podcast so that when it is posted, you will get it delivered right to your phone. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can also rate and leave a review. Uh, we will be back next week after the Pitt versus Tennessee game. That episode will be coming out on Tuesday. So that one, we will be able to get back to our, uh, our regular schedule. Uh, it couldn't happen this week again because of Rosh Hashanah. But next week on Tuesday, uh, we will be back with a new episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week after Pitt vs. Tennessee right here on Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast.